hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Ben, it is uh, good to hear you. It's good to finally have Wi-Fi that is allowing me to actually uh, see you not in a kind of a blurry uh, you know, picture. Um, but no, all is good. Had a productive weekend, as I'm sure we'll probably get into later today. I don't know, just good vibes all around. I hope you have uh, just as many good vibes despite the long meeting that you just came out of at work. Yeah, everything's been good. We're, it was a long day at work. Had to keep pushing back the podcast. But you know what? We're here now. Uh, I'm much more excited to be talking about uh, the coaching hires that we saw, the cross-country rankings that we're releasing, than anything else that I was talking about in the meeting. Well, I'm sure you're an expert in every area, nonetheless. Um, what we're not experts in is trying to get people to leave podcast ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We've remained at 40 on Spotify and 33 on Apple Podcasts. Hey, guys, we, we even hired Wyatt. And you know what? You know we're, we're still working on a few things, but Wyatt's done pretty well so far, all right? We, we've done that. You know, we've got all the podcast stuff coming out every week. We've been very consistent. I can't remember if we've ever missed an episode, maybe for like technical difficulties. So, but nonetheless, go leave a rating review does matter, does help us. Um, but in the meantime, even if, and how about this, even if you don't leave a rating review, share with your friends, say, Hey, this Ben guy is really cool. Garrett, not so much, but Ben's pretty sweet. Um, so if you do that, that'd be great. And if you don't know how ask your kids or ask somebody else, Who knows? <laughs> um, that's directed at someone. I think they'll know who they are. Um, let's move on to our first bit uh, of the show, which I think we'll talk about the coaching hires that we just saw. Notre Dame ending their search, hiring Chris Neal from Furman. Um, he comes with a lot of experience working under uh, the Garys at Furman and Ohio State. Um and comes into a Notre Dame program uh, to work alongside Matt Sparks. Um, and I, I, I thought this, just looking at it, my first initial reaction, I thought it made a lot of sense. It, it coming from a program that has definitely punched above its weight for the last uh, while, and now Neil gets to kind of get into a position where he can be the head guy um, and write the training, but it is coming from a place of a, a lot of experience at a, at a very high, high level. Yeah, I, I think, like, just strictly on paper, Neil's a great hire. I, I don't think you can really point to anything and be like, oh, well, this was a tough hire. Like, it's, you know, it's a, it's a good hire. Like, he just had, doesn't really have a flaw on his resume. Um, I will say that this job was declined multiple times by a few people who I've spoken to, um, which is interesting. And I think that's because there are questions as to how control of this men's distance program is going to be uh, just handed over. Is it going to be Sparks kind of directing it initially and then allowing Neil to kind of grow into this role? Um, it, it sounds like that might be the case. It's not entirely clear yet, but it sounds like there was maybe some uh, – uh, uncertainty as to kind of what that future looked like and therefore it was maybe unclear as to why um you know certain individuals maybe wanted the job over others so um, nonetheless i think neil deserved this um i think he has a great foundation great history and it's just tough to look at this and think anything bad about it i mean we had talked about the type of candidate that notre dame would 
look for and would be able to attract. And it seems like Neil just hits both of those targets perfectly. He's someone that hasn't had the head job, but has all the prerequisites that you would want uh, for someone coming into the Notre Dame program. So I'm with you. I, I think it's very solid hire, and it'll be fascinating to see um, what kind of, like you said, control he gets, because I, I think that was something that Carlson had to grow into a little bit as well, um, and, and obviously that turned out really well for, for the Irish. Yeah, and, you know, people forget, like, Carlson was really controlling that program and developing that program for quite some time, but he didn't really get the head coaching title itself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the elevation um, until they won their first ACC title under his reign. So it, that's important to like, kind of keep in mind there. Like, you know, there's some, the, the bar is very high at Notre Dame, as everyone can understand and realize. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was an interesting situation. Like I said, I think they couldn't have gone wrong with this hire. And uh, yeah, that that's kind of all I have. I I don't really have anything more to say. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next hire that we saw, UConn hiring Beth Alfred Sullivan as the director of track and field uh, in cross country. She takes over after her stint at Tennessee. Um, I, I think this is again, another very solid hire. I think Alfred Sullivan wasn't probably someone that UConn expected to be available um, this off season, but after a little bit of a surprising part of ways with Tennessee, um, they pick up a, a director who has a vast amount of experience at a variety of different levels and, and brings a lot of credibility instantly to this program. Man, if you're a UConn, I mean, this was the best case scenario possible. I mean, this was just like, I mean, if you're the athletic department, if, if you actually care about track, this was one of the best hirings, maybe in the entire NCAA. That's not just because she's accomplished, but it's because you have this long time, what, 37 year veteran coach, something like that, uh, stepping down and retiring. And just as he does that, a powerhouse coach kind of comes available and, uh, and she gets to step in. And oh, by the way, she's going to step into a UConn program that on the track, indoors and outdoors, has dominated the Big East. I mean, just destroyed the Big East, really. I think they've won like a ridiculous number, like between men and women the last year they won three of the four indoor titles uh, indoor and outdoor titles so it's impressive stuff um i was highly impressed uh we'll see what actually happens with this but who knows yeah i I mean uconn isn't going to miss a beat with uh alfred sullivan coming in and she brings so much experience like you said so i i think they can continue to build on their past success i i wonder if there will be a little bit of an adjustment period but if, if there's a few bumps in the roads, I, I would expect those to be straightened out very quickly. Yeah, I think now it's just a matter of what is the ceiling for this UConn program? What does a, not a revamp, but what does a bolstering of this program look like? What is their ceiling and how far can Beth Alfred Sullivan get them there? I think that's the next question. But for now, good hiring. Everyone wins and everyone goes home happy. Um, I think that's just the ultimate um Big, that's, the, that's the biggest takeaway from this entire hiring. I agree. Well, let's move on and talk about our favorite sport, cross country. We are headed towards fall slowly, but we're getting there. And because it's the summer, we have our rankings. Our individual rankings will be coming out first. And the TSR crew has been putting their heads together 
putting these together and I love being a part of this process. I, I think we both missed it last year when we were taking our hiatus. Uh, but while we were putting these together, a few questions kind of came up where we were struggling to maybe rank some people, figure out where everybody kind of ended up and where they should land. And so we're going to bring those questions to you in this podcast. So we'll start with what part or what section of the ranking caused the most debate? And we'll talk about this, obviously, for both the men and the women. Right. And just to clarify, Ben um, obviously specializes and worked on the men's portions of the rankings alongside Gavin Struve, our other D1 specialist. Um, I worked uh, on those as well as the women's rankings, D1 rankings with Mara Beattie. Um, so Ben is kind of taking like an outsider's look at, at you know our rankings while also understanding the tendencies that Mara and I have. Um Ben, I think on the men's side, I feel like you're you're gonna probably agree with this, but I could be wrong. I feel like the section that gave us the most difficulty and challenge was like the twenty to thirty range. Yep, that's exactly what I wrote down. I, I think that once we, I mean, almost once we got to like eighteen or nineteen, we were we were kind of struggling because I think the list of names who could be on in that eighteen, nineteen, twenties position started getting really long. And you really had to kind of split hairs for a while. And that continued from 20 to 30. I, I felt like there was a pretty strong line of demarcation uh, around 27, 28, where we, we felt like those guys kind of separated themselves from the rest. And it's not like there was like one like main theme in that group. It was like some guys are super young, but, you know, one performance was better than the other, right? Their All-American finish was the main highlighter. Some were much better on the track, but don't really have a whole lot in cross-country. Um, others just have, you know, big mixes, concerns about youth, but then the upside, like, and then others were just solid across the board, maybe not like, oh my God, amazing, but solid. And I, I think there was like, it was trying to figure out what's the congruency and equivalency of all of these names and trying to figure out like, okay, well, what really should be weighted more than others? And I think guys that we were initially throwing around in the mid twenties actually ended up closer to the mid to low thirties. Um, it's just crazy how that, some of that stuff worked out, but every, yeah, I mean, everybody had that one big hole in their resume. It seemed like whether it was like they didn't have a great cross season or a great nationals and cross, or they didn't, we didn't see much in track this year. It was, it, it seemed like that was the case for a lot of those guys. So for the women, I can tell you, uh, and how about this, Ben? Which section do you think gave us the most trouble? And I'll tell you what actually ended up being the case. I, I was looking at the list and I I was struggling to kind of figure out the 10 through 20 range like that though they that had a large variety of different kinds of names that I all thought could have had a pretty good argument for five spots higher or 10 spots lower like I I really was struggling in that area to, to come to a consensus it's crazy how accurate you are yeah that was that's exactly what happened. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Cause you look at these names and you're like, each of these names have at least one performance where you go like, Whoa, that was really impressive. And then they have gaps or maybe they have things that are, you know, they have a solid resume, but it's just not as convincing at certain points. 
Um, maybe there's just, you know, you would look at that name and you're just like, is this name really going to be ranked this high? Or am I really going to rank this name this low? Because like there, there's someone, there's a few actually in that, that 10 to 15 range where we're typing them in and Mara and I are like, I can't believe we're ranking them this high. I, I was like, I, I was looking at a few of them. I was like, I am really high on her. But I don't think I even would have put her that high. Like, like I, I was saying that after several names of being like, oh, well, I really liked her, but I didn't think that anybody else would like her that much to put her at that spot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was hard. And that was the that's the one thing. Again, it kind of similar to the men's 20 to 30, where it's like it, there was not really any equivalent resumes, right? You couldn't really match them very well. There weren't a ton of women who kind of like ran in the same uh, like region or conference, um, like probably no more than two at a time. So it was really difficult. And I, I think everyone has a really good resume and something, you know, really high to, to kind of boast. But yeah, it was, it was easily the most challenging section. And um, I, I think the, the 40 to 50 range was also very difficult, especially just trying to figure out like who the last three names were going to be. Um, but that, that aside was not probably the, the harder part. It was the 10 to 20. Well, and I think that the women's 10 to 20 being difficult is kind of a product if there's some really strong favorites up front. And then after that, it, it's kind of uh, anybody's game for those next like 50, 10, 15 spots. Uh, quick, quick question before we move to the next question here. Looking at the women's rankings, without seeing the names, how deep into the rankings would you go? Like, would you go to the top three, four, five, six, seven, eight? before you cut that off and say that's tier one and then below this is tier two um i i think it's like four or five would be tier one would be my guess i i i could i i like someone that's a little lower i think a a little bit more that i might even include her in that top tier but i think it's about five names for me yeah i know exactly who that is and i'll talk to you about that afterwards but um, because we, we, that was, that was, she was a, a name that we debated. And then I think we really kind of took a closer look at it and we were like, all right, well, you know, I, I think this is you know, the reason why, but yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Cause I think Marv would probably agree with us on that end as well. But Ben, who in the bottom half of our men's and women's rankings, would you say, and this is kind of a, a nice kind of like tidbit of, Hey, this person's in the rankings. So, you know, this is why you listen to the podcast. Who in the men's rankings and who in the women's rankings do you feel, uh, and let's put it this way, from 30 to 50, from the 30 to 50 range of the men's rankings, 30 to 50 range of the women's rankings, do you feel is the most likely to stay in our top 50 by the time, or ju- they're just misnamed, right? They could be just misnamed. Um, who, who is it that you feel is the most likely to stay in our top 50 by the season end? On the men's side, I, I really like Brandon Garnica. I think he's just—he's not going. I don't—he's he, not going to be super flashy. He hasn't shown the form that he did from two years ago quite as much. But I think he's just going to be a super consistent runner for BYU, a solid scorer, and he's going to perform well at a, a variety of different meets. And I think that's just going to make him uh, almost a lock to be in the top fifty, even if he isn't maybe an All American by the time nationals comes around, I, I can't imagine him being that much further out of that conversation. And how about the women on the women? I have Haley Herberg. I, I felt like that was a pretty easy answer. 
she's been really good in cross country and track she i mean very consistent performer she'll maybe go out a little too hard at at certain times but she's still going to be an all-american at the end of the day i think yeah um the women (laughs) i'm not gonna lie like the women hit a certain point in the rankings just like the men uh, the women a little bit later than the men where I'm just like, I don't really know how much I love all of these names, right? Like, I like yeah. them. There's things to like about them. But I don't love all these names like I do certain certain individuals on the upper end and back end. My most reliable name, I think, is going to be Brody Hasty. I think when you have, what, three top 50 finishes at the national meet, one of which is a, uh, an All-American finish, you know, he's never going to blow you away. But... If you're going to be in the top 50, almost All-American three different times, I just feel like that's going to be reliable. And like he, he's never really had a, like a terrible poor race or even like a string of terrible poor races. Um, he's just been solid and consistent. He's not the flashiest pick, but if you're just talking about guys that you want to bet on being there, yeah, maybe he may not rank super high, but I could still see him being in the top 50 by season end. And he always performs well in the postseason. Like by the time it gets to nationals, even if he hasn't had a, a, a all American type of season, he puts it together when it matters the most. So I, yeah, I think that's a great pick as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, women, I, I looked at some of these names. I, I don't really know if I have like a good name. I, I would agree. I think Haley Herberg on paper is probably the safest bet to be in these rankings by season end. I also struggled to believe that Amelia Mazadowney, after the track season that she had, wouldn't be ranked, is like the craziest concept ever. Like she, she was just way too good. And I know we haven't really seen her like truly at her best on the grass yet, but I don't know. That's just me. I, I just would be surprised if she's not in there. And, and we'll get to her, I think, in another one of my answers. So I, I, I agree with you i i think she she's someone that i i almost have viewed as too good to be to be in this discussion so yeah I, I i agree um let's move on who do you irrationally like more than anyone else yeah uh this is my favorite question um uh i don't even know how to say his name uh gabble cyperda mm. i i just i just think he's really solid and really underappreciated, and he didn't really come onto the scene last year, and when he did, he was part of an Iowa State team that was really, really good, one that finished runner-up at, at the uh, NCAA XC Championships, but he's a guy who's just been slowly building up his, his mileage, slowly building up his resume. He ran 843 in the steeplechase this past spring. He ran 344 for 5,000 meters back in uh, December of last year. Uh, cross country, eighth at Roy Griak, 21st at Nuttycomb, eighth at the Big 12s uh, championships, and 12th at Midwest. On paper, that's really solid. Like that puts you just kind of in the cusp of, of, of a ranking. And then he caps it all off with the 41st place finish at the national meet last fall. I don't see a flaw. And I just think he's really good. And I think um, he was just undervalued last year for how good he was. I think he was probably the most underrated guy who, because when we started doing these rankings, he, he kind of popped up because of his NCAA finish. I was like, I, how has he gone under the radar? Like he was nearly an all American. He's done well enough on the track. Like this, there should be a lot more hype about this guy. And I think that's maybe a byproduct of 
him not really having his best race until nationals him being on a very good Iowa state team. We had plenty of other people to talk about. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's someone that has a lot of high end potential um, and, and could, we could really see him jump off and have an outstanding season this year. I agree. I agree. Who's your name? Um, for me, I had Michael power and he was someone that we talked about a, a lot and I, I was advocating for him several times. <laughs> so yeah, no surprise. And, and when Gavin listens to this, he'll be like, yeah, I know. Um, but he had such a good track season, um, clearly took a big leap forward. And I mean, he wasn't, th- he wasn't bad in, in, in cross. He just didn't have a very good start to the season. Um, and, and progressively got better, had a decent finish at NCAAs. And, and I think after this track season, he's le- clearly taken a leap in fitness. And as long as he continues that, I, I would find it hard to believe that he won't improve a lot this this uh, fall. I like power. Um, he's a name who I, I like a lot, but I struggled to figure out who I'm going to move him in front of others. For those listening Ben, we would. Get, it was like for eleven straight names. <laughs> it'd be like, so is this the time where we introduce Michael Power? How about Michael Power? We should introduce Michael Power. And in in fairness, I think we probably did rob Michael Power of like two or three spots. Um, but it got really crowded, and it was very difficult. And it, it, he was he was one of those like four unfortunate names where like you just you couldn't really figure out a comfortable spot for him. I think he was still decently rewarded in our rankings, but. Trying to figure out that right spot for him was a little challenging. So, um, okay, how about your women's team? I'm going to give you the or the women's individual. Who's the women's individual you uh, quote unquote you rationally like? I like I like Kaylee Mitchell a lot. I I like I like the Oregon State duo. Like I I really like Featherstone Haw as well. Like I I don't know what it is. I feel like when it's been prediction time, I've always pre- like predicted one of those two or maybe both of them at times to do really well and i i just feel like they have been it's been a slow burn of improvement they just continually get better almost every race every season and i i think they're going to be able to take that into this coming cross-country season and just build on that i i think they're both all americans i think mitchell is someone that could crack the top 20 even um and I, I doubt there's many other people who are that high on her. Um, yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, I, not, I'm not my most high. scorching take, but no, I, I'm, I'm more high on Oregon State as a team as I am the yeah. individuals. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll give you that much. I, I definitely think there's uh, a, a nucleus for excitement there, if that makes any sense. Um. I, I kind of going back and forth between two women. I'll say Taryn O'Neill. Mm. Um, Taryn O'Neill is really good. She had just had mile and three K PRs this past indoor season. She was six at the winter XC championships. Her fall 20, her 2021 fall season was incredible. She was outstanding and I won't go through all of her results. And then she had like an, a slight off day at the national meet where she was a couple spots off from all American honors. But I, I mean, you really like, I think people will get really hung up on her national meet finish because it was just good enough for her, for, you know, for it to not be a bad race. 
but it was just off enough for it to be like, well, that's not her at her full potential. And I think people will try to balance that out more. And I, I just think her, her potential this season is sky high. I think she is truly going to be one of the best women in the country. I, I mean, she has the potential of being a top five in the country. Yeah. Like I, I, and that's not something you can say about very many people, especially because I think the top five this year on the women's side is really, really good. And so like, she's one of those few, I think that could crack that top five and i mean like like you said there's been some performances that haven't been quite to her caliber or what you would expect but when she's hit it right it's been out of the park yeah yeah i agree um all right so let's move on to the next one let's go on what would uh what do we have here oh yeah who did we rob yeah uh you see this is this is tough for me um i on the on the men's side i think and this is another, this isn't going to be any surprise for you. I think Brian Fay could have been up a few spots. Maybe not a lot, but but a few. I, I just think, and again, this might be me, my track bias coming out a little bit on these cross-country rankings. But he was he was decent on the grass and then just was spectacular on the track. And I, I think we could have maybe added a few few more spots for him. We might get to that point, and I, I might budge. Um, I think the number next to his name right now looks really good, knowing what his resume looks like, um, at least on the grass. That said, I, I get it. I totally get it. Um, and in fact, when we get to that section, when we do have to actually write that portion, I might reconvene and say, all right, are we actually going to bump him up three spots? You know? Yeah, and I don't think it's major. I mean, again we were the ones who made this list. So I don't think any, either of us are going to think that like we had a huge mistake, but I, I think that he, of all the people on this list, I think he has a, a decent case for like a three spot increase. Okay. Um, I, I don't hate that. I don't know if I totally agree with that either, but I don't hate that. Um, the name who I think, huh? Well, I'm I'm just gonna kind of go into our just miss group. I'm sorry, but I had a bargain Jackson Sharp. <laughs> I knew who you were gonna say. <laughs> uh, it was so Jackson Sharp had a bargain him out. That was tough. The dude just ran thirteen thirty three. By the way, um, he's really good. He's really really good. I just think he's well rounded, a, a really complete runner, and I think he's much better than maybe certain cross-country races show i get it but leaving him out was probably the hardest one of all and then brendan frazier brendan frazier of colorado was maybe the most underrated runner in terms of consistency last fall he was excellent i don't think he really ever had like a truly poor race let me see here so he was 23rd uh at pre-nationals uh he was 12th at pac-12s and then he was, I think, 85th at the national meet. He also placed 8th at the Cowboy Jamboree at early start of the season. Very top-heavy meet, beat multiple All-Americans. He's really good. He's really good. And Ben's looking at me like, oh, maybe we did kind of rob him. Um, so, you know, it, it, I think he's good. I, I think him and, and Austin Vansel, his teammate, were kind of in that same boat of being like guys from Colorado that kind of went under the radar a little bit but were just consistently good. And, and like – they performed really well on the grass and it, it was hard for us to put someone like Jackson Sharp 
ahead of guys like that when you're looking at just the results on the grass. Yeah, it it hurt. There's just names where I'm like, man, I if they were upset, I'd get it. I'd totally get it. Like I would be upset. Like if I had the season that Frazier had, I'd be upset. Especially when the emphasis is on uh, the most complete resume. So um, I get it. I understand. But Ben, who is the name that was robbed in the women's rankings? I had Amelia Mazadowney. I I I just look at, looking at the rankings. I, and again, there is some holes in that resume. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. I mean, and it's hard for me not to see her five, ten spots higher. Um, I I think she she has. I I I really like her. I I think she's just been very consistent. Um, I mean, she, her cross cross country performances have been very solid. She was fifty eighth at and uh, the winter cross country, fifty sixth in the fall. She's run really well in the five k, ten k, like. I, I maybe she just has a a lower ceiling than I think when it comes to the grass, but like she's going, I I feel very strongly that she'll be an all American. Like I I I and maybe she's not top twenty ability, but I, I don't think it's out of the realm that she could get there. Yeah, you may you may have me doing some last minute changes here, moving her up because I think you're right. I think her potential is a little higher than that. The problem is that while her resume is really good, it's the cross country wise, it's just not a top. It's 50 not sparkling. Resume. Yeah. It's not a top 50 resume. Now, granted, her track resume suggests completely otherwise, but it's not bad either. You know, her cross country, it's not to say that her cross country resume is bad, but I just don't know if I'd be willing to say that's a top 50 resume. Um, so I think that's why she's where she's at. That said, I, I can, I could see us moving her up into the that next section so i get yeah. it. all right who did you have um i just have my list here the the name we robbed is it bad for me to say that i i don't think we robbed anyone like i, I was about to say it's it's like picking your favorite kid right now like you may you like you and mara poured a lot of yourselves into this list and it would be surprising to see you have like for me coming from the outside it's easy for me to say oh yeah this is someone that i definitely feel like got robbed but you guys like already had that conversation and made those adjustments yeah um correctly all things considered but i really like natalie cook Oh, and and this is what we'll get. Uh, we'll have a moment. We we will talk about this in a sec. Yeah, but I really like her. The girl ran fifteen twenty five, and she was in high school. The girl won two cross country national titles, eight days apart, and she's also run just some unbelievably fast times on the track. I, I mean, I think we ranked her right. But if someone put her X spots ahead, I'd agree. Now, granted, if it was like 10 spots ahead, I'd be like, no, we're not. No, but where we have her, I I think I'm pretty confident about that. I like it. 
Yeah, I, and I don't hate it. I, I think it's probably the right range um, for her. Uh, it's just so hard gauging freshmen. And I think gauging freshmen on the men and women's side is is very different. You're you're changing. You're going from 5K to 6K uh, instead of 5K to 10K, um, which is obviously a much more dramatic change. Um, so I, I think she could have a pretty quick impact as long as she stays healthy with Oklahoma State. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm like I'm very high on her. For whatever reason, I guess I'm just high on um all the freshmen, men and women. Um, but some people aren't and that's okay. Um, you know, that's just this is what it is. But all right. Are we moving on to the next question slash the final the final is this the final yeah it's the final one. Yes. Yeah. So speaking speaking of freshman i'm sure we'll we'll have this mentioned in our hardest athletes to rank let's let's start on the men's side who like do you want to go through we can trade off names maybe yeah. each of us pick two or three yeah how about, how about yeah let's start with two how about you give me two i'll i'll give my my two we'll trade 1v1v1 okay uh first up i had colin salmon and patrick Kiprop. And I'm sure you probably feel very similarly because we had these discussions. For me, Salman was extremely hard. Again, freshman coming in, had a historic high school career. There's nothing bad you can say about what he did in high school. He's as prepared for the next level as almost anybody ever has been. I am curious to see how quickly that translates going to Flagstaff, training with a very, very good NAU team at a level that he's never trained at, and then competing against a level of guys that he's never competed against, uh, at least on the grass. I think he'll do really well, but I don't know if he's the All-American lock that a lot of people, I think, will probably assume just looking at his credentials. I do think that, like we saw with Nico Young, where he got a lot better his second semester as a freshman, I think we could see Salman really improve his second semester, his second year with the program. Yeah, so I don't think I've ever like like seriously yelled at Ben <laughs> before like last week. Um and I think it was the first time I caught myself like actually raising my voice to Ben, and I, like, which is a miracle because we've talked a lot. I mean, just on the podcast alone. Yeah, like three years now, two or three years. Um, it, yeah, it's been it's been a long time, and for me to finally have be that impassioned to say, Ben, what are you doing? Um, it was it was tough. Um. I think it was a fair assessment. Ben eventually did um, relinquish a little bit of ground, not a ton, but he rank- relinquished a little bit um, on that ranking. I have nothing more to say. Um, I-, I think, well, I do have more to say. It's it's the <laughs> Colin Solomon was elite, beyond elite. He was historically elite. He was one of the greatest cross country high schoolers to ever do it. Um, his times were unbelievable. And he goes to the same Newberry Park program that Nico Young came through. He's going to the same program, similar caliber results as Nico Young. 
everything tells me that it's going to be the same. But I, I agree with Ben that there is a level of risk. I don't agree with Ben that the risk should have that much influence in the rankings. As much influence in this situation. Yeah, and, and that's that's totally fair. Again, I I think I am very cautious when it comes to the men's side with freshmen coming in and maybe a little bit too much, and that might be a little bit of a blind spot for me. Uh, but let's move on. So I also had Patrick Kiprop, and he was someone who we really struggled. The track times were there. The cross-country performances coming from the D2 level where we didn't see him run at nationals, but he was dominating before. It, it was just, I mean, going D2 to D1 is already difficult to translate, especially on the grass, but then you throw in and he didn't even compete at nationals. It, it was just a very difficult person because he's shown a lot of potential, but we haven't really seen a whole lot of that when it comes to cross-country. I think all things considered, he was ranked accurately, though. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. He was difficult to rank, but he was easy to rank in the sense that we all are, are unanimous um, uncertainty as to how you actually rank him. And we were all kind of on the same page of like, this seems like a good middle ground, given what we know about him. And I think we ranked him properly with room to go up, but we didn't penalize him just for being new. So right. um, I didn't have him because of how quickly we did resolve it. But I had Ilya Kipsang and I had uh, Scudder. I had Nicholas Scudder of Charlotte. Um, ben, if I yelled at him about Salmon, he yelled about me about Kipsang. Um, we went back and forth. Admittedly, I do think I initially ranked Kipsang a little bit higher. But when I brought him back a few spots, Ben just kept dragging with the momentum. And he just kept pulling him back and back and back and back. And I keep saying, I'm like, listen, he wasn't an All-American, but look at his results. Like, he's... He's finishing top 15 at these like really high end top tier meets. He's the SEC champion. Ben, what are you doing? I think he still has a good ranking. I get why Ben doesn't want him that high. I think he probably could have been about four to five spots higher. I think the middle distance runner ceiling is very real. And maybe I'm, I'm, maybe he'll be more of an exception to that. Like, I mean, we've seen guys like, Walid Suleiman and Yerna Goose run really well, but never really cracked that top 15, top 20. And we were talking about Kipsang and, and the potential and what he should be ranked. I, I think we have to consider that there is a very, very much a lower ceiling for him than maybe a lot of others. But his consistency shown through during the, the last fall season He's obviously one of the best track runners we have. I, there, there really isn't a bigger Kip saying on the track fan than me. Like I, I thought he was going to run sub three fifty last indoor season. Um, like you thought he was going to run three forty eight, not just sub three fifty. Exactly. So like I, I believe in his abilities. Um, but I, I do, I do think when it comes to cross country, I, I think there might be a, a lower ceiling for him than, than most, probably around his range. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'd say, yeah, I, 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 won't, I won't get more into it. I think everything that you said was accurate. But yeah, um, it's, you know, it's a difficult thing to rank. And then you had Nicholas Scudder too, and he was someone that we really struggled with putting, and I didn't have him on my list, but I, I think it's very appropriate that you did. Just figuring out a guy that didn't qualify for nationals 
but ran really well during the regular season last fall. Where to put that kind of guy is very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I think everyone's going to like get hung up on the fact that he didn't qualify for the national meet. Um, but the guy was 11th at the uh, Southeast Regional Championship, runner-up at the Conference USA Championships, losing only to Paul Arandando. He was 14th at pre-nats. He was third at Joe Piani, and of course he won sh- uh, the Charlotte opener. So, like, that's a very complete, very solid, excellent resume. And I just struggle to, you know, kind of look at that and think, like, okay, this guy's not a top 50 runner. And not only that, but he runs... 402 in the mile, 754 3K, 849 3K steeple, 1345 K, and 2832-10K. So I mean, I just think he's he was really I was really high on him. I can understand why Ben and Gavin had me drag him back. Someone was like, why did you rank him that high? I think it was Ben. And I was like, I was like, honestly, I don't know. But I in retrospect, I wish I fought a little bit harder for him. I still think he got rewarded, but I liked him. I think he has a good ring and, and like you sold me like you you made the case like and, and I I've liked the Charlotte duo of him and Aaron Dondo for a while and been pretty high on them um but it was it was an interesting case study of someone who didn't make nationals um let's move on to the women's list why don't you give me your first two names oh boy I just had them here um hardest names to ranks one of them was um Marley Stolliper for okay. sure. The other was Jenna Hutchins at BYU. Didn't have either of them on my list. Very really? interesting. Really? No, I so go ahead, go ahead. No, you, you I, I want to hear the case for both of them. So Jenna Hutchins, all time great uh at the high school level. I think we get very distracted by how good Natalie Cook was and some of these other performances. You know, pandemic caused some delays in times, but Hutchins was like a low. I think she, I want to say I don't have these up in front of me. I want to say she ran like fifteen thirty four in the five k. I think she ran something along the lines of nine forty nine for thirty two hundred meters. I mean, the girl was incredible. I mean, she was really, really good. She was dominating girls on the grass during the pandemic, ultra cross country season. I mean, when you talk about high school talents in the past decade, past two decades, she was arguably one of the best ever. One of them. I'm saying she was the best ever, but she was one of the best ever. And I just think she has to get rewarded, but time has passed and she's had an unconventional introduction to the NCAA into BYU. And how does she handle NCAA competition? We haven't really seen her as of late. And there's a lot of questions and I think they're fair questions. And that's not to say that she's not talented, but we just don't know. And I think that's why it was hard to rank her. Stoliper, meanwhile, stud in high school, Great in cross country, mostly known for her mile prowess. Hasn't competed in two years up until this spring track season where she suddenly breaks out, runs 15.33, is a star, or 15.34, 35, something along those lines, right? Mid to low 15.30s. And she's awesome, but how does that translate to cross country, especially after not really having any experience at the collegiate level? So those are why we understandably had challenges uh, trying to rank those women. I think for Hutchins, I, I think where you guys have her is like just the perfect area of like realizing that there's potential there, but also knowing that there's so much uncertainty about where she is uh, like fitness wise. And I think where you guys landed and maybe that's why I had a few less question marks on her Starlipper though. I mean, you, I, I think I might've been just blinded by how good her 
track season was and been like, oh, well, yeah, this is a pretty obvious candidate to be ranked and, and be ranked decently high. But I mean, you bring up a good point of like, we just have, we, we have no idea. And, and, ha- and that 5K fitness, while in theory should translate pretty well to a 6K on the grass, doesn't always. And, and I mean, who knows how that's going to work for her. Uh, I mean, the thing that she has on her side is she's going to have a lot of NC State teammates that are going to be all pushing for that All-American spot, That which I, I would imagine makes it a lot easier for her. And not only that, but I think, you know, like with Starlipper, like like you said, everyone can look at her track times and be like, well, that was incredible. And it was, but you also have to think about like Savannah Shaw, who um, has run 1533, I want to say, at the East Regional Championships, qualified for the Outdoor National Meet. But she was not amazing on the grass. She wasn't bad uh, by any means. 25th at both her conference and region, but she wasn't amazing. Now, is she a different runner now from when she was back then? Yeah, 100%. But that, like, it, trying to like just assume that it's going to translate to the grass isn't like 100% a guarantee. Now, I, I still think Shaw's going to be pretty good and we were just being overly cautious, but that's kind of the logic that we have with Starlipper. Ben, give me your uh, two names here. Uh, first, I have Amaris Tanisma, and mm-hmm. second, Sydney Seymour. Um, yeah. So Tanisma, it just had a roller coaster of a ride of a track season. We haven't seen her at her winter cross country best when she finished third in cross country, I believe. Um, so clearly, the top end talent is there. We just we don't know what Tanisma we're going to get in any given season. Um, and I think that's what makes ranking her so very, very difficult. Um, understood. And I, I yeah, I, I don't have anything more to say. Like, we just don't know. Um, I think where we have her is fair. I think it's probably on the higher end of where you would rank her. But I still think it's within reason. Yeah, and, and that's how I felt. Like I was surprised to see her that high, and I was like coming into the rankings, being like, "Oh, I, I think I'll probably be higher on Tanisma than Garrett and Morrow will be." And then I saw where she was, and I was like, "No, I don't think you can really go much higher on her." So I, I it it is interesting to see, and I, I think that maybe speaks to the after the first five or six names that it is a little bit of a, a, a more of a toss up. And I, I think Tanisma is certainly someone that could bust into that group. Um, as for Sydney Seymour, she's another one we didn't see at NCAAs last year. And she had a really good regular season. I don't never finished any worse than ninth in any race one pre nets, but we just we don't know she's going to a new program at NC State. We don't know exactly how that's going to translate. I, I think there's a lot more question marks than there probably should be about someone who just ran a spectacular track season. Yeah, listen, no one's you're not going to find a bigger Sydney Seymour fan than me. Um, I like Seymour a lot. I, I do think she convincingly gives NC State the status of title favorite. Mm hmm. But she's not like a sure thing. I don't, th- and, and by that I mean like I, I don't think she's guaranteed to be a top thirty finisher at the national meet. Absolutely not. No. So I that said, seeing her fall out of the top fifty would be a surprise. Yeah, I 
I could see her not being an All-American, but I, I, I find it hard to believe that she won't at least have a good race and still score for NC State. Yeah, no, again, this is us being pessimistic. If everything goes like we think it will... She could be a top 10 runner. She could be a top 10 runner. I mean, she really could. And and if that happens, then NC State doesn't just win the title, then they get into the conversation of historic. like... Historic. Historic greatness, yeah. And if that happens, it's it might be game over. I'll say though, just quick side tangent. Doing a lot of research, man. If if half of New Mexico's women on the track deliver on the grass, they're gonna be a problem. They're gonna be like a really significant problem. They flew under the radar because no one was like winning, like competing to win any event. But they were all right there in the back end of the like first team All American picture in indoor and outdoor. Like, and, and there was a lot of them. And, and so yeah, I, they they certainly have the firepower to be able to at least give it a shot yeah i can't wait for the team rankings because if you like the individual which one do you like more do you like the individual rankings or the team rankings i like the team but i i like doing this first because i think this really helps inform the team one in a in a very special way so yeah all right let's go one more on each side and then we'll wrap it up one more guy that you found very difficult to rank on the men's side um that's a great question um can you go first (laughs) sure yeah so i here i i have two different guys i and maybe by describing them you can help me pick which one i should should go with okay so do am i trying to guess which ones these are sure you can guess and or pick who 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 we should talk about okay so you're you're gonna give me blind resumes basically and i'm not even gonna give you like detailed resumes i'm gonna give you like very general Okay. Uh, one guy had one extremely good race this last track season. Doesn't have a whole lot of great uh, performances on the grass, but I think still warrants a very high ranking. We struggled to figure out where it, exactly that high ranking would be. Guy number two, just very solid on the track. Didn't have a spectacular grass but wasn't bad like it was pretty good on the grass but just was kind of decent across the board and we had him kind of in the middle of the rankings i I felt like i me and gavin maybe pushed for him to go a little bit higher at times but at the end of the day he didn't have that grass performances that we really felt like warranted a, a really high ranking that maybe some of his track performances have shown so is the second one Duncan Hamilton? No, but close. Okay, right, then... right in that range. It's not Sam Gilman, is it? Yes, that's that. Well, that's that was that was one of them. That that, that was the second one, right? Yeah, yep, that was it. And then can you can you give me your description for the first one again? One really good track race. Okay. Did hit, the rest of his track performance was good, but I don't think we would have really gotten this excited about him if it hadn't been for this one race. And Alex Meyer? Yes. Yep. There you go. There you go. So it's <laughs> crazy that I'm just good. <laughs> I that was that I, I was making that as difficult as I could on you and you you passed with flying colors. I, I think I'll go with Meyer just because he is someone who he won the 10K and and I mean that was a great run. But if he hadn't won the 10K it's easy for us to have... I mean, he was second in the 10K. Or second in the 10K. Yeah, excuse me. Second in the 10K. 
if he hadn't run sec if he hadn't finished second it we could have really pushed him back i feel like in our rankings if he just had had an average day and that's something that you noted early on but he did run he did finish second and he did have a good track season and so it's it's hard for us to not put a lot of expectations on him because i mean generally if you do well on the track and 10k you're generally going to be pretty good on the grass and so we went back and forth on what his ceiling would be in our rank uh yeah i agree i i I think where we ranked him was appropriate um it was hard i i felt like he he provoked a lot of conversation a lot more conversation than maybe a lot of the other guys around him like i think what's going to happen is people are going to see the ranking and it's not even a bad ranking. It's actually a very good ranking. Yeah. But people are going to be like, oh, you guys just, did you not see his 10K? Did you not see how good he was? So it's like, yeah, no, we, we saw it. Like, no, you're wrong. I, I just, you know, there's only so much that he can really do, you know. Let me rephrase this. His cross-country resume is just not quite as good as a few others. And there's a lot of guys in that top end who are returning. So... Yeah, I, I think on the men's side, getting into that upper tier, not not tier one, but like tier two and three was a lot more difficult than on the women's side. And if you had a few holes on your cross-country resume, it was going to be really hard for you to be ranked really highly. All right, I'm going to give you uh, two names on the women's side who I think, uh, you know, Mara and I didn't really struggle with. Uh, we felt pretty good about it, but... I'd be interested to see if you can blonde resume these oh, two. Oh boy, this is gonna be tough. All right, here we go. One is kind of in the middle-ish, you know, um, not to give away too much uh, of our women's rankings. Um, she uh, has a extremely underrated and outstanding regular season, pretty much through up to the national meet, where she has a good race at the national meet, but by no means incredible or amazing she is by no means um a brand name that's number one okay i think number two okay number two is a name that you have certainly seen multiple times before has a really solid regular season resume that's not quite as good as number one but still solid and she has a few pretty decent wins over a few pretty decent names. But her best race was sincerely the national meet. And there's no question um, about that. Who am I talking about? Who's the first one? Who's the second one? So the fir- first one, is it Addie Engel? It is. Nice job. Okay. Yeah. The second one, can you repeat a little bit of it? Sure. Um, solid very good regular season not unbelievable but really solid beat a few key names um and then went to the national meet and had what was arguably the best race of her career parker volby no best race are we talking track had the best race or cross country no this is this is everything i just said was cross country based. oh okay sorry that well that takes volby out of it Oh dear. Um, oh, why am I stuck? If you so get this, I'll be impressed. You have two more guesses, by the way. Tori Herman. Yeah. Nice job. Ah, yes. Whew. That was pretty good. 
So I, 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 Herman was again another one that I came into this being like, all right, you know what? No one's gonna be higher on Tori Herman. <laughs> and then I get to the rankings, and I'm like, gosh dang it, they did it again. Like I, I, I like she is right where she should be in my mind and like this is someone who believes she is really really underrated really really good and i i think it will surprise some people but i i think it's a very good spot to end up i agree i agree i'm glad i'm glad that you come in thinking like oh no one's higher than me and then we're like so frustrating i like i that happened like with with parker volvi too and i was like you guys even went like maybe a, a step further than I would have with her where I was like, I think she's really good. I think she could be a, a national contender. And you guys really went full hog into that. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, here's the thing. I know we're going to get tripped at it's by someone and it's I'm looking forward to it. But I think the nice thing about all of these is that we at least can defend them. Oh, like, yeah. We at least have arguments for all of them. Um, you know, like not every and, I, and not everyone is perfectly like sealed pat. Some of it's just like I really like her deal with it kind of kind of energy that uh, that we're giving off. So, um, but Ben, nice job! Thank you for doing all this work on the rankings. Uh, for those listening, we've got uh, if you're listening to this, it's Monday now. We just released our just missed and honorable mention names. Uh, 50 to 41 will be coming out on Tuesday, followed by 40 to 31 the next day, and so on and so forth. And then next week, next week, and John doesn't know this yet, and maybe the D3 doesn't team doesn't know this yet, and Ben doesn't know this yet, but um, I might try to get one of them on for like a different little twist on the podcast, maybe even just a bonus. Ben, you, you and I might still do an episode, who knows? But that's all I have. Go check out the site. This is the best content that we do all year, uh, I, along with the team rankings. It's exciting, exciting stuff. Ben, do you have anything more to say on that? No, but I can't wait to see the reactions to everything. So definitely let us know what you think. And I'm excited already to be thinking about the team rankings. So, Hey, if, if you want your opinion on the podcast, leave a comment in the ratings and reviews. So. Absolutely. It will be read. All right. Well, Garrett, like you said, Everybody needs to check out the site, but until next week, when we talk again, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.